Hey, this is Bruce. I'm the pastor of the Word Church, Kimberley. I'm so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I trust that Jesus will speak to your heart, that you'll be strengthened with faith, and that you'll experience the breakthrough that you're looking for. Enjoy the message. Um, I love the theme of the uh, conferences, the outpouring. And uh, so I want to touch a little bit on the prophetic this morning. We're going to fly. Is that okay? If you miss anything, uh, my notes I've made a copy of. I'll give it to Pastor Bruce. But he knows it all, so he'll, he'll fill in and teach afterwards. Yeah, he's, he's got it covered, so you're in safe hands with him. But I, I want to just show you something. Um, because I believe that uh, with us seeing all the false prophets, I believe it's an attempt of the enemy to dirty the waters of something that God is doing. Because uh, if you see the counterfeit, it's because the true is there. None of you have ever seen a counterfeit 500 rand note. It's because there's no 500 rand note. But you see counterfeit 200 rand notes because there's 200 rand notes. So they are real prophets, and uh, God, I believe, is raising up not only prophets, but the prophetic in the church again because of, of what, is, what is already happening on the face of the earth and what is coming. Is that okay? So I'm going to try and give you a little bit of a, uh, a, bit of a foundation for that. And then I want to touch on some things and hopefully to clear up a lot of misunderstandings concerning the prophetic. So first of all, um, you know, God through Moses gives this warning. So Deuteronomy 18 verse 14, I'm going to not even stop to see if it's on the screen. I'm just running. Is it okay? The nations that Moses said, the nations you will possess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. Now, in between, God said, but I'm going to raise up a prophet like unto me, you know, to Moses. And uh, uh, from amongst his brethren, and to him you must listen and give heed. But then later on in chapter 18, verses 20 to 22, this is what, again, Moses is warning the people. A prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. Now, I'm just so glad that I was not a prophet in those days, because there have been times that I missed it, you know. So I'm glad we're living now. So you may say to yourselves, this is now what God is saying, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? This is the answer. If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. And the last verse, I don't know if it's coming up on the screen. The last line says this, so do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. So I want to throw this out. All of us have experienced or heard of, maybe been the victims of, um, what we would might classify false prophecy. But God says, chill, it's okay. Don't be alarmed. Is that okay? Don't be alarmed. And, and I'm trusting that by the end of the second session, I will have equipped you enough that you would understand why God says that to Moses. God says, listen, prophets are going to come in. They're going to uh, uh, prophesy falsely. But so what? Don't, you know, big deal. Don't, don't be scared. It's okay. In other words, the false is going to happen. But it's up to us as, as your, your uh, teachers and leaders is to teach you and train you so that you are not alarmed. Is that good? 
All right. So let's have a look again. Joel 2, 28 to 30. Um, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter was referring to uh, Joel 2.28 and onwards, and he said, this is that. This is that. So he interpreted the events of Acts chapter 2 and what transpired when all the people came and they saw the disciples drunken in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. Each one of the people groups that were there hear them speaking in their own languages and declaring the praises of God. Incredible, amazing um, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But that wasn't the only outpouring. It happened again in Acts chapter 10. Uh, the Gentile outpouring um, um, in the home of Cornelius, the Roman centurion. And that's when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And uh, 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 Peter, when he's recording it and giving a report back, he said exactly the same as the Spirit came upon us. In other words, the implication is there came a wind from heaven, you know, mighty rushing wind that filled the place, flames of fire. They, they spoke in tongues. They prophesied. He said, it's, it's just like what happened to us. So, of course, they were then baptized. Acts chapter 19 is not quite an outpouring. It was a mini outpouring. But Paul finds some disciples who are, had been baptized by John. He re-explains the, the whole purpose of baptism. John's baptism was a baptism unto repentance. Found out they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. Baptized them in the name of Jesus. Laid hands on them. In Acts chapter 19, it says, And they all were filled, spoke with tongues. And then it says, And they prophesied. Everybody say prophesied. All right. So let's just have a read of Joel 2, 28 to 30. So this is what the prophet says. And afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. All people. Look at the person next to you and say, you're an all person. Yeah. So on all people. So the, the outpouring, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every single believer. Every single believer. And then he goes on to say, your sons... And daughters will prophesy. Everybody say prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. But old men also see visions. And young men dream dreams. Okay? It's just a statement. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And when, Paul, when Peter records it in Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, he uses the word prophesy twice. In other words, a result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, maybe we can go, whoever's doing projection, Acts chapter 2, 17 and 18, the result of and the, the outcome of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, other than the initial sign of speaking in tongues, is prophecy. Amen. Can we say it again? Prophecy. So just have a look at it there in Acts 2.17. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Verse 18. And it continues to say, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will. Everybody say it. Come on. Your pastor instructed you to preach with me. Amen. Amen. If you haven't got money, it's, I'll just take the amens, okay? All right. So prophesy. So prophecy is one of the things that accompany the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to just qualify that. With all of the components of prophecy, what are the components of prophecy? Dreaming dreams and having visions. Is that okay? 
And, and, and that is the language of the Holy Spirit. The language of the Holy Spirit is for us to see visions and dream dreams and then to put that in a message and declare it by the gift prophecy, then it becomes a prophetic word. Now, um, understand this, that when we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we received the entirety of the Spirit into our being, and uh, we didn't just receive his pinky or his arm or just his left foot. We received the entire person of the Godhead, the third person of the Trinity. We received the Holy Spirit. The difference between being born again of the Spirit and baptized in the Holy Spirit is a different level of relationship. It's a different degree of surrender, if I can put it that way. You understand what I'm saying? But with that baptism in the Holy Spirit, we were initiated into two um, um, qualities of the Holy Spirit. We were initiated into the omniscience of the Spirit and into the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you receive dreams and visions, if you put it together, let's just say a word of knowledge, I'll come on to that later, is that um, we are receiving from the Spirit a piece of His mind on things. The way He sees, what He sees. And then when we prophesy, the power that's behind it, and especially with healing and miracles, we are participating in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring about healing into people's lives. Is that okay? And, and, and Paul tells us later, and yo, I've, got to just, I've got to stick to the subject. And Paul tells us later, but you know, that's, that's how healing and miracles happen, because we participate in the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit. All right, so I've got to stick to the prophetic. All right. The, the one thing that I have noticed in my own life and in revivals, you know, in different places where God has used me and revival has, has started, is one of the very first things that is awakened in people's hearts when they are revived is dreams and visions and the voice of God and prophecy. Are you all good? So, so if, if, it, if it begins to dip, you need to go and just immerse yourself in the river again. Amen? You've got to just go and revisit the presence of God. I mean, I, every single Sunday, I go to church. I, every Sunday, I just say, Holy Spirit, I need a fresh infilling. Amen? Just look at the person next to you and say, he's preaching to you now. Okay? He's preaching to you. Right. So, the difference between the Old and the New Testament is that there was a significant change in the purpose and in the distribution of not only the gift, but the office of the prophet. Okay, so this morning, I'm going to be not so much talking about the office of a prophet, but, but the gift of prophecy and prophecy in general. Is that all right? Okay, cool. So God is a speaking God. Paul says it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. God is a speaking God. He's a communicating God. Prophet Bobby preached an awesome message last night on the preceding word. And uh, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceedeth, King James, proceedeth from the mouth of God. And that's one thing that we need in the prophetic constantly is a proceeding word. If you had a word 25 years ago, you probably are in a good place to receive a, an, an update on that word. You need a proceeding word. Because we're not to live on bread alone, but, but every word. So God speaks, number one, through his word. 
So Psalm, uh, Psalm 103 verse 20, whoever's doing projection, just wave your hand and tell me your name. Donato. Oh, I know that, brother. He's an awesome guy. Donato, thank you. Psalm 103 verse 20. The primary way, so I'm not elevating prophecy or the prophetic above the word. I want you to understand that, that I've got my theology in place. All right? So the primary way that God speaks is through his word. Can you put it in King James, Donato? Thanks. So I want to show you this. Um, you cannot replace the word with any prophetic, no matter how accurate it is. Can I have an amen? I, I really need you to say amen to that. You cannot substitute the word with prophecies. It's really sad when you see the immaturity in the body of Christ, because when people are, uh, when they know that a prophet is coming and they're going to prophesy, you've got a packed church. And Bruce said it last night, but when you've got someone who's there to teach the word, then, then there's only a few people. And it's almost as if people want to collect prophecies. Well, I've had a prophetic word from Prophet Bobby Lejeune, and I've had a prophetic word from Jared Cooper. You know, and I've had a prophetic word as if the amassing of prophecies has done anything for you. It's done nothing. It's not done anything. And there's an unhealthy infatuation with prophecy. Now, it sounds like I'm contradicting myself because on one hand, I'm trying to teach it. But what I want to do is teach it correctly so that we'll know how to handle prophecy. Is that okay? And, and I found I don't chase prophecy, but I, I, I get prophesied over many times. I'm not chasing it. I'm chasing God. I'm chasing the Lord. I'm chasing Jesus. Amen? And I'm searching for him for in his word. Now, this is a powerful passage of Scripture talking about, you know, the angels, the mighty ones who do the bidding of God. But look at this. Bless the Lord, ye angels that excel in strength. They, they're powerful. One angel took out something like 75,000 Assyrians. And it didn't even break a sweat. You know. That excel in strength. Look at this. That do his commandments. Now, you, listen, follow me there. Hearkening unto the voice of his word. Come on. Angels hearken unto the voice of his word. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. God's word has a voice. There's a tone. There's a texture. There's a tenure. There's inflection. Of God's voice in His Word. If you want to learn how to hear the voice of God and prophesy, saturate yourself in the Word. Because you will far easier recognize His voice um, through prophecy or the, His spoken uh, voice within you if you understand His voice in His Word. Not only that, but the word gives us the context for God's voice. So no word should ever contradict, be out of line of, against the spirit of his written word. Are you all happy with that? Look at the person next to you and say, I hope you heard that. Say, that was worth 200 rand right there. So his word, he speaks by the spirit to every believer, by his spirit. Elijah uh, it referred to it as the still small voice. Every believer, we have access to the voice of God. With the coming of the Holy Spirit, God gave his voice back, the ability to hear back to his people. On Mount Sinai, 
when uh, Moses assembled the people and said, come up to the mountain, God wants to speak, and he was going to speak out of fire. And they said, we're too afraid. Moses, you go and listen. You come back and tell us. And the people installed a, a mediator, and they lost the voice of God personally. But on the day of Pentecost, you must, you must know that Mount Sinai was the first Pentecost. Okay, second Pentecost was on the day of Pentecost. They got back the voice, the voice of God. Amen? So you have every single one of you has access to the very voice of God, which is unbelievable. So he speaks through his word. He speaks by his spirit, um, in your spirit. He speaks by the components of prophecy, which is dreams and visions. Dreams and visions. So I'll explain it a bit later. I'm not a prolific dreamer, but there are times when I dream and, uh, you know, I've got up in the morning and it feels just like a pizza dream. When I tell my wife, I had this dream and she goes like, that's weird. But I've known it's the voice of God. And I've prayed over it for a day, two days, and suddenly I get the interpretation and it's a profound dream. Just a little while ago, after Bruce um, had, had invited me down, I just said, Lord, I love talking about the gifts of the Spirit, but, you know, I need to dream more. You know, I see more, but I, I want to dream. And I said, I just, I love prophetic dreams. And uh, that night was about three o'clock in the morning. I woke, I had this vivid, vivid, vivid dream um, of, of someone that I know. He has an 8,000 member church. And, um, and, and I, early in the morning, early hours of the morning, and I just said, hey, Apostle, you know, I'm, I know that you're not awake yet, but um, maybe he was awake at three in the morning praying. I don't know. But anyway, and I, I just shared the dream with him. Later on in the morning, he sent a message back and he said, I hear this word. Let's have coffee. Through a dream, the language of the Spirit. Wow. Don't you just love it? I love it. I crave these things. I crave it. I love hanging around with, with Bobby because when he prophesies, I stand near and I go like, oh, that's different. I've never done that. Okay, I want to do that. No, you can. I was sharing with Prophet Bobby last night in the car. Um, this, uh, oh my goodness me. Should I leave the stories just to the teaching? Let me tell you this story. But anyway, <laughs> uh, last story, last story. And, uh, but I, I ministered in a church in St. Albans in England, and absolute revival broke out. The power of God hit the church. And they'd never experienced it like it. Late in the afternoon, they were still carrying people out, putting them in cars, taking them home. It was just amazing revival. And afterwards, he said, booking you for this time, same time next year. And he says, I just want someone like you in my life, you know, just with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, and then I've got a friend who's a prophet. And he told me, he said, one day I was on the M25. The phone rings and it's his prophet. And he said, brother, are you on the M25 heading southbound, circular route around London? So he said, yes, I am. He said, confirm you near this exit now. And he looked up and he said, yep, I'm heading for that exit. He says, beware at the next exit. The enemy wants to take your life. And I went, Jesus, I want to do that. You know, I said, I'm going to do that. One of these days, I'm going to do that. And that, that was years ago. And years and years, I just, I remembered that. And I've said, Lord, I want something like that. And it happened a little while ago. End of the worship, I'm standing up, and I see the blue sign for highways. I see three lanes straight, three lanes left. And I see on the board, it's at exit 30. So uh, the Lord says, tell those in the church that are driving on the highway beware of exit 30 in the next two weeks because the enemy wants to take their lives. I went, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I got up and I shared it. And I said, hey, everybody, take a seat, take a seat. I said, God just spoke to me, not fear, but faith. Faith. 
If you travel on the highways, the next two weeks, not out of fear, pray out of faith, and watch exit 30 because the enemy wants to take your life. And uh, the following week, I got one email from a lady, and uh, the car, uh, her car was sideswiped by a truck, hit her against the barrier rail, crunched her car up and rolled it round and round and round until it was a little round ball. And um, everybody that witnessed it said, came, you know, they stopped, all the traffic stopped on, at Gilhoolies. <clears throat> and um, got out and they said, it's a miracle that you're alive. Completely unhurt, her and her son. Com- not a scratch. And uh, she got out and when she looked to take a photo of the registration plate of the truck, she looked up and she thought, oh my goodness. And then she just put the camera up and she took a photo and she sent it to me. And there it was, exactly like in the vision, exit 30. The next week, same thing happened. On a different highway, one of the ladies in the church was driving, took the exit, and she went, oh, exit 30, oh my goodness. And then she took the exit, and she went, yes, I made it, thank you, Jesus. And when she got into the petrol station, she collapsed, and they had to rush her off to a hospital. But she knew she had a word that she would be good. Isn't that okay? Amen? Come on, look at the person next to you, say, I want to do that. Say, I'm going to do that. Say, you're going to do that. Come on. Amen. So the church needs to be profoundly prophetic for more than one reason, all right? So God speaks through the word. God speaks by the spirit to every believer. God speaks by the components of prophecy, visions, and dreams. He speaks personally via tongues and interpretation of tongues. You might not have heard it. I've I've taught on this a little while ago in my church. But if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can speak in tongues, amen? Amen. And how many of you know you can interpret your tongue? How many of you know that? Okay, so look at the person next to you and say, I didn't know that. I've learned something new. That's another 200 rand. Okay, so that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm chalking it up. All right, so you can, one of the most powerful times that I was encouraged, it was tough in the ministry at the time. It was really, really difficult. And, and uh, I, I was a little bit discouraged. I don't get easily discouraged, but I was a bit discouraged. I was just driving in the car, and uh, I just said, oh, God, what is going on? You know, I mean, we need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. I need something to happen and change. And suddenly, I just began to speak in tongues. And before I knew it, I was interpreting it. And I was speaking to myself from the Lord. Son, I want you to know. And, and it was the most powerful, encouraging word I ever received from myself by the Spirit. Tell the person next to you, you can interpret your tongue. And God can speak to you. Come on, that was good. All right. The next one. And of course, there's the, there's the corporate gift of tongues with interpretation, which equals prophecy. Okay? And then thirdly, there's the gift of prophecy that can come. And then, then there's ministry through the office of a prophet. Is that okay? So those are all ways that God can speak. And we need all of that back in the church to be prophetic. And then there's one more that I want to mention, and Prophet Bobby mentioned it last night. We need to learn how to be prophetic in the sense that we speak and declare the Word of God over our own circumstances and situations. Amen? How many of you know that you are the prophet in your own circumstance, in your own situation? Don't wait for a meeting and and put pressure on the pastor. And come forward in the line and put a blank face on and say, if he's a man of God, he's going to prophesy. Why don't you prophesy to yourself? Why don't you prophesy over your children? 
Prophesy over your workplace. Speak the word. You know, in Jeremiah chapter 1, God says this to Jeremiah. I'm watching over my word. In brackets, I'm putting the words there. Jeremiah 1.12. I'm watching over my word in your mouth to perform it. I'm watching over my word in your mouth to perform it. And we need to learn how to start declaring and speaking and prophesying the word of God. Now, I'm going to throw this in now. Prophecy is more forthtelling than foretelling. In other words, prophecy, the major bulk of prophecy falls into the category of forthtelling, speaking forth the word of God, and it's got very little to do, or it's got less to do, should I say it that way, with future telling. There is an element of future telling, God speaking in your future and this kind of thing. But I want to tell you, we've got to learn how to foretell, how to speak forth the word of God. Amen. So start to speak over a, a son that has gone off the rails and is wayward. Start to prophesy that he will come back. Amen. Start to declare it. Start to speak over your children. Start to speak over your finances. Are you all good? So with the coming of the Holy Spirit, prophecy was released to believers and became an integral part of the church. The last point on, on being uh, prophetic is this. When a church is prophetic, when the prophetic is present in the church, you will find that that church is current and up to date with God's program for the church. Hallelujah. Can I say it again? When a church is prophetic, it's on time, in line with God's program for that church. It's current. It's not behind. You look at many denominational churches. The move of God has washed through that church and it's moved on and they stuck 30 years behind. The worship is 30 years behind. The sermons is 30 years behind. The revelation is 30 years behind. And they haven't moved on. They're not current with where the spirit is at the moment. Amen? I want to tell you this church is current. This church is, this church is current with the move of God. Come on, it's, it's, you're, you're up to date. You're, you're not lagging behind. And, and, and that's, you know, you, there's, a, there's a flavor of the prophetic in the church. It's like that at our church. New members join the church and they're only there a few weeks and they can prophesy without being taught. Why? Because that's the atmosphere. Okay, I'm going to throw one last thing in here. Just one last thing. Let me just throw one last thing in. Many of you sit and watch um, people forward the front. I'm just going to use Prophet Bobby as an example. And he's here prophesying over people. And uh, somebody gets a great word. And you go like, yeah, I didn't get such a great word. I wish I could get a great word like that. <laughs> you, know? You, you know, you can be a prophecy thief. <clears throat> um, let's not call it a thief. You can be a prophecy grabber. Um, there have been many times when people get a prophetic word, I go, wowza, that's awesome. So I go, geez, I'm taking some of that. If they, if they miss any of it, I'm taking that. <laughs> Especially when it's blessing and it's this and God's going to use you. I go, that's me too, that's me too, that's me too. <laughs> Amen. But listen, when, when, the, when the prophet is in the house and we tell you your pastor is very prophetic, the spirit of hearing is in the house. The spirit of hearing is in the house. You don't need him to point to you and call you out and prophesy over you. The spirit of hearing is in the house 
you can hear. And right now while I'm teaching, because I'm a prophet, right now while I'm teaching, you can hear from God. Amen? The spirit of hearing is in the house. So are you good? Some of the reasons why we need to be a prophetic church. Now, add what Prophet Bobby shared last night. Add that message to what I've just shared, and you've got a pretty good picture of the necessity, the reason why uh, we need fresh uh, times of refreshing upon our lives and in the churches so that God can restore dreams and visions in the prophetic. Now, I want to go back very quickly um, and, and, and have a look at um, Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 7. No, but let's go to Joel 2.28. Joel 2.28, and have a look at that. I want to just show you something in Joel 2.28. Maybe you've never seen it before. Um, I saw it, and I just enjoyed it. It shall come to pass afterwards that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men men shall see visions. 29. And he says, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Verse 30. Look at verse 30. And then God says, and I will show wonders. Just dot, 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 dot. I will show wonders. Just, just hold it there. Hold it there. Hold that verse there. In other words, when he pours his spirit out on his church, and they start to dream dreams and see visions and prophesy, God says, I will respond and show wonders. Powerful result of prophecy. Is that good? All right. So now let's just press on. I want to just... I mentioned that prophecy is foretelling as well as foretelling. My experience, a lot of it has been foretelling. All right? So remember also, there are times when your pastor will stand up and he will preach a word. He will teach a teaching here. And you think, oh, that's a good message. It's a good teaching. You rate him out of 10. Not in this church. Those other churches, they do it. You know? And it's like, wow, good word. And if you're not discerning, if you're not prophetic, you will have missed that that taught word could have been a prophetic word, a pivotal word in the church, a landmark word that will shift and change everything. There are key moments in the life of a church when the set man in the house gets up and teaches and it becomes a pivotal word and it becomes a prophetic word, but you think he's just taught a nice sermon. But it's prophetic. He knows while he's preaching. Man, this is a, a, a... If you hear Pastor Bruce say, listen, I want you to take note of this message this morning. It was prophetic. Take note of that word because God will flesh that prophetic word out into the life of the church over coming weeks and establish the church on a matter. All right. The, the other thing that I want to just mention, and I think you know this, there's a difference between the gift and the office. I think I did say that earlier. So... All right, let's just have a look at this. The burden of Moses. Oh, my word, the time. In Numbers 11, 24 to 29, I mentioned last night, uh, Moses said to God, the burden for me is too heavy. I can't handle it. God said to him, call the 70 elders. 68 came to remain behind. Aren't you glad that uh, you didn't miss an outpouring and forever your name, your name is in scriptures? Eldad and Medad were not in the revival meeting. They were not at the outpouring conference when God poured out the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't want my name in the Bible for missing something. Amen? 
And then one young man comes and says, oh my goodness, the splash over, just look at the grace of God. The splash over was so great that they're prophesying in the, in the camp. And uh, Moses, uh, Joshua turns to Moses and says, oh, stop them. You've got to stop them. And Moses said, I wish, listen to what he says. Oh, no, no, wait, let's, uh, let me go to these verses. Right? Let's go down to verse 29. Moses said, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them all. Amen? Now, look with me, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 31. He says, for you can all prophesy. This is Paul speaking. In turn, uh, and I want you to see this, 1 Corinthians 14 and 31. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Are you all happy? So in other words, Paul says, what Moses desired is now a present reality. Now I want you to notice that one of the things that Paul says, he says that through prophecy we can learn or be instructed and comforted or strengthened or encouraged. Isn't it incredible? The content of prophecy can instruct the church. It's good to sit in the presence of God and hear the prophetic word come over the lives of believers and you can listen to it and it may not be for you um, unless you're going to grab some of it. But, but you can be instructed through what's being said. Amen? Good. All right, so the balance is this. There was the <clears throat> charismaniac church of Corinth who were so um, infatuated with the gifts of the Holy Spirit that Paul had to say to them, listen, guys, cool it. When unbelievers walking in, you know, they're walking around speaking in tongues, you know. And Paul says, listen, <clears throat> you know, a few intelligible words is better than thousands and thousands of words in tongues. And he's not against tongues, but he's talking about just correcting and bringing a balance. Now what you do is you look at the charismania of the Corinthian church. Paul said this in his, his introduction, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, you lack no spiritual gift when he was writing to the Corinthians. Every spiritual gift was in operation in that church, but it was just in imbalance. And unfortunately, we've seen a lot of unhealthy models, an unhealthy imbalance We've seen prophets who manipulate for money, etc., etc. I don't want to bring out that dirty washing, but I just mention it because uh, you've seen it and you know about it. You know, Facebook is awash with all of this kind of stuff. And they're in it for the bling. Their motivation is wrong. Amen? And it's unhealthy. And they've got a following of people that they, those prophets can say whatever they want to say. It can be completely anti-biblical. And the people are going, yes, amen, because they've put a prophet above the word of God. They've put, you know, his prophecies above the teaching of Scripture. <clears throat> and they manipulate it. And they throw money at this person. You know, they're in poverty and they're driving around in luxurious cars, great watches, gold microphones, and all kinds of things. I mean, what, what is, you know, and they've got a following. You know what's sadder than that prophet is the people who go and attend. To me, that's a tragedy. Grown-up people with absolutely no discernment whatsoever. But they've been groomed into that. All right, let's go on. So here's the balance. So let's put up 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. So Paul has to write to the Corinthian church, and he's got to address an unhealthy imbalance onto one side. But then he's got to write to the church in Thessalonica. And I don't know who the pastor was. I haven't looked it up yet. But anyway, one of Paul's church plants. And um, he has to write to the Thessalonian Christians, and he has to say this. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, he says, Do not quench the Spirit's fire. Are you all good? And we all go like, wow, yeah, 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 yeah. No, we mustn't quench the Holy Spirit. Hey, but did you read verse 20? Oh, my goodness. Everybody say, oh, everybody say, wowza. Yeah, something like that. Do not quench the Spirit's fire. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. How do we quench him? By despising prophecy. So we can go to the other extreme and we can reject the manifestation. One of the strongest manifestations of the Spirit's presence is dreams, visions, and prophecy. And we can quench it because what some people are doing wrong with it. Or what we can do is we can say we're between the Corinthian church and the Thessalonian church. It's called the word church, Kimberly. And we are in healthy balance. Amen? And I don't know about you, but Paul says it in in the next verse. He gives us, and this is what I'm going to teach this morning. And uh, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. And very often we misinterpret that. So this is what Paul is saying. Don't quench the Spirit's fire by despising, looking down on prophecy. What you need to do with prophecy is test it, hold on to what is good, and ignore what is bad. Basically, what he's saying is, eat the meat and spit out the bones. And if you are well taught in the prophetic, someone can come and prophesy. I mean, they can be a true and out false prophet and prophesy over you, and you are trained in how to handle prophecy, and you deal with it internally, you're still nice. You know, sometimes you might need to bring correction, but otherwise, what you do, I love it. Um, I, I taught the seminar at a church, and Prophet Bobby was ministering there, and this guy is a newbie, and he comes up and he runs up to put his hand on Prophet Bobby's head and prophesy. Prophet Bobby grabs his hand and says, you ain't saying nothing to me. But just then, the, just then, the pastor's wife, if you haven't got a Prophet Bobby, you have to do it the other way, that, like I'm teaching you, all right? But, but the pastor's wife then ran up and said, hey, we've told you, you are not allowed to prophesy in this church. And when I heard that, I was so excited. I thought, awesome. Because there is a church now that's had some training, and they know how to deal with incorrect prophecy. So this is a good time for me to put this in. One of the things in despising not prophecy, one of the things that we need to do is to discern between wicked and weak. Wickedness and weakness. I, I, in all of my years of ministry, maybe once or twice, I would say a wicked person has come and tried to prophesy over me. Just a few times in my entire ministry where they've come with an agenda, where they've come to try and manipulate me through the prophetic, prophetic gift. Normally they're Jezebels. To try and manipulate me through the prophetic word, to try and get something over me by prophesying. And normally they use initially uh, just incredible flattery to try and, you know, get around you and start maneuvering and things like this. The majority of times 
I've had prophetic words that, let's say it's just a little bit off the line. It's, I, would, I would classify it as weakness. Now, I'm going to change the word weakness to another word. It's immaturity. And I want to tell you, immaturity is harmless. It's a big difference. You can win a person over many times, many, 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 many times. People come up to me, and they prophesy, and I discern, this is somebody who's new. They're growing in the prophetic, and I don't want to crush them. I want to encourage them. So this is my standard line. I will say thank you so much for loving me and caring about me so much that you would take time up to come and share that word with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I will bless them and encourage them. Are you good? Because they're growing. They're aspiring to prophesy. And so we don't crush those that are learning, but sometimes it's necessary to to deal with the wicked. All right. And it's a very simple way. Are you all happy so far? It's important for a church. It's important for all of the leaders. And, and, and it's nice to see some of the leaders here. You can't put all of the onus on uh, the pastoral couple, the lead couple. But we as a church have got to grow in it. And, and we have got to come to a place where we can be accountable enough, where we can uh, coach one another in the prophetic. I call it pastoring the prophetic. Is that okay? And, and so to encourage people, um, you know, and, and for those of you who are aspiring to the prophetic, you're not there yet. Is that okay? I'm not there yet. Paul says we prophesy in part because we see in part. That's why team is so powerful. Okay? And so uh, if you're going to be man enough to start to prophesy in the church, be man enough to be accountable and teachable. I don't know about you, but I want to grow. Amen? I want to grow in the prophetic. I want to get more accurate, more accurate, more accurate. Too. Not for the sake of you know, people going like, wow, that guy's... Because I, I want to have an impact in people's lives. I want to destroy the works of the devil in people's lives. Bring them out of deception and illness and all sorts of things. Are you happy? So we need to be. So the gift is available. So we can, we can despise or quench prophecy, uh, the spirit, and, and by despising prophecy because we don't understand the difference between wickedness and weakness. Are you all happy? Amen? Bless and encourage those who are aspiring to prophecy. And so there are times every now and then when I call all the prophetic people together in church, we have, because we don't have evening services, I'll have an evening meeting and then I'll just pastor on the prophetic. I'll just speak a bit about the prophetic. Um, I will talk about things that I've observed in them. Um, the way they've approached, the way they've handled people and, and things like that. Because sometimes you get somebody prophesying who's a little bit needy. And because they've got someone's attention, they'll prophesy and prophesy and prophesy and prophesy and prophesy. Then they'll explain the prophecy. Then they'll pray the prophecy. And then they'll, you know, and the poor victim, I mean the poor person that, that is standing there, their eyes are crossed. You know, they can't take on any more information. And six times they've tried to edge away and the person's run around in their face and they're going to just keep prophesying. It's like... Hey, do just deliver the word. It's a word of prophecy. Come on, write that down. It's a word of prophecy. It's not a sermon of prophecy. It's not a lecture of prophecy. It's not an opportunity for you to grab somebody's attention because you're needy. Everybody said, everybody said, everybody said, amen. Look at the person next to you and say, that's not you. All right. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so distinguish between wickedness and weakness. Know the difference between the gift and the office. I've already mentioned it. The necessity of prophecy. I just want to touch on a couple of points and reiterate them. Prophet Bobby covered it. He put in a lot of points last night. I'm taking some of his points from his sermon, putting it into my teaching. And that is the, the absolute power of the prophetic. So, number one, I want to just say this. Um, Romans 4, verse 17, King James translation. Even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not, as though they were. The power of prophecy. I've seen it time and time and time again um, over years of ministry, years of itinerating. I was prophesying, yo, the time, man, the time. I was prophesying, I, I walked up to a guy in Armenia and I went over to him and I just said, brother, I want to tell you, God has gifted you musically. I see you playing a keyboard and, and playing it, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And now I wait for the pastor to interpret, you know, in Armenian to this guy. And the pastor's just quiet. And he doesn't say anything. <clears throat> and he's just, <clears throat> and he's shifting his feet and looking at the ground. And then he's looking at me and he's looking at the guy. And I said, did you tell him what I said? And I said, I said, tell him what I said. And he goes, <clears throat> um, and then he turns to me, puts the microphone aside, and he says, Jean, 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 you're telling this boy he can play the piano, he can play the keyboard. There's not a musical bit of music in this man. Nothing. I said, I said, Ashard, I don't care. I said, tell him what I said. No, Jean, 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 Jean. Uh, you're going to embarrass yourself now. <laughs> so I said, Ashard, tell him what I said. So he goes, oh, and, he, and he says it half-heartedly. I said, no, 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 no. Ashot, start again. From the beginning, say it as excitedly as I said it. <laughs> so he had to pretend now he was excited. He's going, and oh, no, 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 whatever. I said, good, good, Ashot, good, Ashot. Now here's the second bit. And you're going to write praise and worship, worship music that's going to be sung all over Armenia, and it's going to carry the revival forward, and your songs are going to go to Armenian communities, communities around the world. And Ashot's going, <coughs> looking at I said, Ashot, tell him. John, John, this is difficult, John. I said, tell him. So he tells him. I go back, I, th I think it was two years later, I go back and I walk in and the sound coming out of this building is like unbelievable worship. It's like, it's electric. And I walk in, there's the dude playing the keyboard, singing. And I said, Ashot. And he goes, John, John, this, this is the man. This is what you said. It has creative ability to unlock potential, unlock latent gifting, to create something. It's creative power. Amen? Whether it's tongues and interpretation, whether it's declaring the word, whether it's prophesying something you don't know, man, it's powerful. Woo! Right. So the second reason is because it speaks to potential. Often, prophecy is not speaking to where you're currently at. It's speaking to where God sees you. So it's linked to that point. Are you all happy? God is looking ahead. He's speaking in your now things to come. And then now you add prophet Bobby's. Then it becomes the pathway. It brings momentum. You get into the flow of that prophetic word. It latches a hold of you. It never lets you go. You can let go of it, but it will never let you go. Amen? 
All right, tell the person next to you, okay, this is good. This is good. Okay? It's a good place for amen. It's a good place for amen. All right. Then the third, the third aspect that I want to bring to your attention is God always speaks first and then acts. Always. Look at the creation narrative. And God said, let there be. And what was the activity of the Holy Spirit before God spoke? He was hovering. In other words, he was in idle. The gears weren't engaged. It was in neutral. The Holy Spirit was just hovering creatively. But when God said, let there be, the Spirit of God went into action. For some of you sitting here this morning, you've been crying out to God, and asking him to move in your circumstances and situations, I want to tell, I'm prophesying now to you, is that the Holy Spirit is in neutral, waiting for you to engage your tongue and begin to speak over your situation and prophesy to your circumstances. Then you will release the Holy Spirit to start to work. Amen? Amen? God speaks first, then acts. Amos chapter 3. God will do nothing unless he first speaks to the servants, the prophets. And you, you're the prophet in your situation. So he won't do anything until you stand up and come against that opposing force. Open your mouth and begin to declare things that are not as though they are. Part of the reason why we despise prophecy, not when I say we, not us, but some churches, and quench the spirit is because we don't understand the language of the Spirit. And I've already mentioned it. Dreams are components of prophecy. Visions are components of prophecy. And then the gift of prophecy, the utterance, is the third aspect. It needs to be uttered. It needs to be declared. It needs to be spoken. And and I'm going to come on to the mechanics of that now. But let me just mention dreams very quickly. I think it was Prophet Kerbis that said that dreams are night visions. Visions daydreams. One is what happens at night when your conscious mind is suspended and uh, it's in that subconscious state when um, when the dreams begin to occur. And God can can speak in uh, into your being in a way that's that's less has less interruptions than during the day. But but during the day you can have visions which is like a daydream. Now, that was one thing that I was really good at at school. <clears throat> All my early school reports were, John's a daydreamer. <laughs> I was sitting in class. I was present. I was looking at the blackboard. I had not a clue what the teacher was saying. I was catching major big fish somewhere on some river while I was sitting in class. Amen? But I want you to know, we come on to it. God used that faculty that was there, that ability to daydream, to give me visions. Now, a lot of people will lean towards dreams more than visions and to others' visions more than dreams. However, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's dreams or visions. It doesn't matter. We'll come on to that in a moment. All right, I'm starting to make progress now. But there are, there are five Hebrew words and seven Greek words in the New, in the New Testament which um, are translated vision. So I, I, I want to just leave dreams The only thing that I want to comment about dreams is this. There are people who are prolific dreamers in my church. Then often they'll come to me and say, Prophet, I had this dream. And then they tell me the dream. It's very elaborate. And they'll say, what does it mean? I say, I've got no idea. I didn't have the dream. You had the dream. And sometimes 
It's just a shortcut. It's laziness to come to me to say, will you interpret my dream? I always say no. I'm not going to interpret it. Um, I, what, sometimes what I'll do is I'll give them pointers. I'll just say, in my experience, this, this, and this. What I always tell them is, you go and pray. You seek the Lord. You ask God. He's the reliever, uh, revealer of mysteries, like Daniel said. Amen. And, and, and so, so what, what a lot of people do is they go and buy dream interpretation books. Well, that's, that's dream interpretation for the guy who wrote the book. It's not necessarily your dream language. You develop your dream language. I've had prophetic dreams that have saved my children's lives. And there's no dream book that could interpret that dream. Every prophetic dream book interpretation would have said, you ate too much pizza last night, you had a protein overload. But I knew it was God, and I prayed over it for 24 hours solid, and suddenly I got the interpretation, and I saved my children. Amen? And so, go to God. Seek God. You know? Sometimes dreams will, will even happen for the, for the dreamers, will be, will, will be sequential. You'll have several dreams, apparently unrelated. But sometimes one dream is the interpretation for the previous dream. So, Okay. That's enough with dreams. Let's go back to visions. So I want to give you the, the five <clears throat> vision. It's actually six. So let me just mention six. I wasn't going to mention the one. The one is caught up in the spirit. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians 12, when Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven, into the, the realm of the Holy Spirit. Are you all doing okay? You, you're not too tired? You okay? Somebody said yes. So yes, you are too tired. No, you mean, yes, you're okay. Can, can I just carry on a little bit longer? Then we can, we can pause. All right. Uh, because I, I need to get to a point at the end of the session. Okay. The first is caught up in the spirit. So John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So some was vision, but a lot of it was he was just so caught up into the realm of the spirit that he was an observer in the realm of the Holy Spirit. That happened to me once in my life, twice in my life. And um, one was in 1994 in, in uh, Toronto, Canada. It was a time of great revival. And somewhere around 9 o'clock, the, the preacher stopped preaching. And uh, they packed up all the chairs. And um, a, a woman got up and started to prophesy ecstatically. And the power of God just hit me. So there's probably around 9, 9.30. I only got off the floor at 3 o'clock the next morning. And for the entire duration of the time, I was caught up into another realm where I was not aware of anybody in the room. There were hundreds and hundreds of people in that place experiencing uh, powerful touches of God. I didn't hear music. I didn't hear the prophet prophesying over me. I heard nothing. And I was caught up in the spirit. I met with Jesus. He assigned an angel with me, uh, gave me the message of revival to preach in, in different countries. And then consequently, after that, revival broke out in Armenia and England and different places like that. But I was so caught up that it was a living reality. I was, I was alive, and I was interacting uh, with Jesus uh, and, and with the angel of the Lord in, in that, that space. And, and it's like you, you're alive, you, your faculties are aware, but you're only aware to that realm and to no other realm. And, but that's an exception. Amen? And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been telling the Lord I need a few more of those. I'm overdue. I, I do, I do, often. I, I weep before the Lord and say, I'm overdue for another one. Jesus, please come meet me. I was all 
The second one is a trance. <clears throat> Three characters in the Bible experience trances, Balaam, Paul, and Peter. And that's almost like comatose, suspended animation, very much like caught up in the spirit. But, but in a trance, sometimes you are aware of things around you. <clears throat> but this other realm, again, you know, the Holy Spirit is revealing things, but it's almost like your body, body functions are suspended. Very, very, that's not common. Seeing with spiritual eyes is the next one. And, uh, you know, that happened to Stephen when he was being stoned. He looked up and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Um, it happened to Cornelius when he saw the angel, Acts chapter 10, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There was the angel, and the angel spoke to him. And that's seeing with spiritual eyes. And that, that's happened to me many times. One time I was in that church. I think it was the year after I was in that church where revival broke out, St. Albans, England, you know, where the power of God hit. <clears throat> and uh, I stood up and I was preaching, and the pastor was preaching at another church that morning. Church was packed. And as I'm preaching, Jesus appears, and I see him. I see him while I'm preaching. I see Jesus there. And he has this big horn of oil, like, like a ram's horn. And he starts to pour the oil. So I'm seeing the oil being poured there, just somewhere down there in the aisle. You see? <clears throat> and me no stupid, me no dumb. It's like, if you want the glory, get under the spout where it comes out, you know? <clears throat> and so I'm like, wow, Jesus is pouring out anointing in this service. So I, I just stood, I, I mean, I, I can see Jesus. So I stopped preaching, put the microphone down, and I, said, I, I just said, I can see Jesus. I ran. And when I got to that spot in the aisle where the oil was coming, bah, the oil hit me. I was on the floor. Power of God hit the whole church. The whole church was on the floor. Pastor comes back. He's, he's finished preaching at his service. He comes back. He has his whole church down under the power. They're rolling. They're laughing. They're prophesying. And he's going, what have you done with John? Somebody goes, oh, he's over there. <clears throat> and I'm in the middle of all these bodies. Duh. Seeing with spiritual eyes. Amen. May the Lord do it. Hallelujah. Dream or vision in the night. Many examples of those. Paul sees uh, the man at night calling him over to Macedonia. And Paul says, <clears throat> it was a vision in the night. So your dream can be a vision while you're asleep. All right, let's carry on. A spontaneous appearance of inner images. Now, I think this is probably in the majority of the way Pastor uh, Prophet Bobby operates. That's how I operate. Um, when I walk up to a person, I just start to see these little pictures. And uh, it's one of the things that I want to teach you this morning. The last one, so that one and this next one are the two that I want to, Lord willing, elaborate on. If, you, if your blessed assurance has enough endurance. <clears throat> um, is, is the gentle vision. So the spontaneous appearance of images appearing, you can read it in Daniel 7, uh, virtually the whole chapter. Uh, but this is what Belshazzar, king of Babylon it says, had a dream, and visions appeared in his mind as he lay on his bed. Just laying on his bed, and just suddenly pictures, 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 and his visions. The last, one, <clears throat> the last one is a gentle vision. The gentle vision is not spontaneous appearance of visions. The gentle vision is this. It's when you close your eyes, and you deliberately present your spiritual sense of seeing to the Lord, and you ask him, is there anything you want to show me? 
and then he fills it. Now, the others that I mentioned before, let's call them open visions. These two, which are inner, I normally refer to them as closed or inner visions because they're happening very much inside. Is that okay? It's all, it's all inside, but one just seems more open and out there, and the other one just seems more internal. Are you all happy with that? Okay. So it's when I deliberately present the eyes of my heart to look to see what he will say. Now, I've just got to throw this in very quickly, and we're minutes, yep, we're minutes away from stopping for a break. <clears throat> and that is this, is that we have spiritual senses, spiritual senses. You've got five physical senses with which you communicate to this physical world. All of your earthly knowledge that you've received, you get through your five physical senses. The seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. But you have got five parallel spiritual senses that are um, amazingly connected to your five physical senses. So you've got eyeballs that can see just creatively, um, just amazing work of creation, the eye, um, to look at and to see in, in this realm and it's translated back into your mind as, as the images of what you're seeing, as, as pictures, almost like video playing um, into your mind. And it's that same faculty in the back. It's that same capability that God uses to give you eyes into the spiritual realm. Same capability. The same ears that hear audibly, hear somehow internally, because, you know, we have the Spirit of God in us and we have a renewed mind and we have the mind of Christ that we can hear with our ears, but, but we can also hear somehow the internal mechanism is able to hear the voice of God. And the process happens internally. Same with smelling. There are times when you can smell spiritual fragrances. Uh, one time uh, we had a preacher, I'm just trying to think his name, Andre Schroeder come to preach in our church, and his whole message was about <clears throat> the myrrh, you know, the, the, the biblical picture of myrrh in the Bible. And before he could get up to preach, suddenly this um, overwhelmingly strong fragrance of myrrh broke out in the church, and everybody could smell myrrh. And he asked me, have you, have you opened a bottle of anointing oil? No, I haven't. Is there any myrrh in the church? I said, no, there's no myrrh. And everybody's going like, I can smell myrrh, I can smell myrrh. <clears throat> it was very strong, and then he got up to preach, and he was preaching about myrrh. But physically, it wasn't there. But everybody, suddenly the Lord opened our spiritual ability to smell a heavenly fragrance. Same with tasting. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But anyways, the two that I want to concentrate on today, because it's the majority of the communication of the Spirit where, that, where it lies, is the seeing and the hearing. Okay? The audial and the visionary, or the visual. All right. So let me just mention this. We need to understand our ability to see um, and understand our, vi- our visionary capacity. Remember the old days when we had uh, white screens up here and we had 3M projectors uh, with printed words on it and somebody would put the projector, the slide and the projector and it would project onto the screen. I want you to just remember that <clears throat> and try and um, um, see that as how, uh, how the the Holy Spirit shows us things. So I want you to think of one screen and two projectors. 
So your own mind can project into your seeing faculty an image. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit can also project onto that same screen his images. Amen? So two projectors, one screen. And it's the same screen. So I've written something here. And I want you to write this down. Write this down. What is not presented to God is filled by our own imagination. Your seeing faculty, what is not presented to God, will be filled with your own imagination. And imagination there is used in a positive way, not a negative way. So we have the power to operate that second projector. We've got the power over the first, and we have power over the second by deliberately presenting the eyes of our hearts to the Holy Spirit and asking Him to show us something. And I'm going to teach you that in a moment. And we're going to just do it in a simple little illustration. And we need to um, practice um, doing that. It's important to have a desire to live as Jesus did, to be, in a sense, a seer, and to move out of rationalism and more into spontaneity. The problem with a lot of us is we've got such analytical minds and we live in the analytical side, especially men. We live in that analytical side of our minds. But, but the visionary there is more on the artistic side, the, the spontaneous side of our minds. And that's kind of what we've got. It's, it's much more, uh, we have to be much more childlike, much more simplistic, and just to stand there and to look. Because when God shows us pictures, it's not just for rocket scientists. You know what I mean? Prophet Bobby said it last night. God is so simple, you know, because a picture speaks a thousand words. So one little picture is a whole message in it. So it doesn't have to be incredibly detailed. It can be so simple. He just puts the picture there. Bang. And, and then the words will come or the interpretation will come or the understanding will come. All right. So we need to. The simple act of looking in faith opens us up to begin seeing. We become seers by first becoming lookers. Okay, that was a good one. I know, you, I know you're tired. <clears throat> that was a good place. You missed a good place. You missed a good place to say amen. We become seers by becoming lookers, and we need to turn into that frequency. All right. Now, I just want to borrow. Can I borrow your pen? Thank you. All right. I think most of you have got the complimentary pen. I think it's a big pen. You got them? Okay. It's either black or blue. Um, so what I want you to do is have a look at it. I'm going to hold this one up. And uh, I want you all to have a look at the pen. If you've got one in your hand like this, uh, it'll either be black tops and tail or blue. Um, I want you to have a good look at it, roll it, and see it's probably octo- octagonal, whatever. You can see the, the filler inside, and uh, you can see the ballpoint, whatever, whatever. Just have a good look at it. I want you to study it with your eyes. And then what I want you to do is put the pen down. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to capture that image. And I want you to endeavor to see that pen as clearly, as clearly as, you, as possible. If you rotated the pen in your hands, I want you to try and see, um, I want you to see a video clip rather than a still image. Okay? Okay, that's not hard. This is a very simple one. All right, how many of you, show of hands, how many of you could see it? You could see it. You could capture the image. 
reasonably clear. Is that okay? I mean, if you had one look at the pen and it was taken away from you, you could walk outside of this building and you could more or less explain to somebody what that pen looked like. Okay? You could even draw it. That ability to capture an image is the very faculty, the facility that the Holy Spirit uses to flash a picture into, to illuminate something in you, in a vision form to begin giving you a message. Is that all right? And, and it's that flash picture. All right, so the next thing that I want you to do is, all right, all right, let, let's just keep it there. You, you're all good with that. Okay, so the picture thing, I, I'm really trying to just bullet it. One of the best examples, uh, maybe we can go Donata to Zechariah 4 verses 1 to 6 NIV. Zechariah 4 verses 1 to 6 is, is that those flash images are, are the spontaneous unsought ones where you'll be talking to someone and suddenly this picture will come, but it will be flash. I don't know if you've ever heard of subliminal messages. You know, advertising that they do in the movies. And if they slow it down a little bit, you'll be watching movie, 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 pa, Coca-Cola, off movie. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. It's a flash image. And what we have to learn is to recognize it. God doesn't put it on, and it's not in neon lights. Hello, I'm talking to you. I wish he did. But it's normally... And what I have to do, I've got to almost, so to speak, I've got to reach in. I've got to grab that image and say, what was that that I just saw? And bring it back. All right. Are you all good? All right. So here it goes. Just close your eyes and see that pen again. Quick, just close your eyes. Don't look at the pen again. Just close your eyes. Recapture. Go and get that image and bring it back into the forefront of your mind. Right? You were able to do that? Fairly simple. Great. So now that is the visionary capacity that the Lord gives. And, and very often it's flash images. Sometimes it lingers. Sometimes it's so strong it stays. Sometimes it's so visual that even when I'm talking to the person I can still see it. But I've trained myself to grab that image and hold on and not let it fly away. I bring it while I'm speaking to the person. I hold the picture there and I begin to speak to them. Um, and bring the message out of what I'm seeing. Are you good? So Zechariah 4. Listen to what the prophet says. The angel who talked to me, uh, with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from the sleep. Verse 2. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top, seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. Verse 3. He says, also there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and others on the left. Verse 4. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? The angel says, do you not know what these are? Now, just hold it there. Do not just keep it up on the screen. Then we'll roll through the next couple of verses. So here is uh, the prophet Zechariah sleeping. The angel wakes him up. When he awakens, bang, he has this vision. He says, what do you see? So he begins to describe the vision. The menorah, the lampstand, but this time it's got a bowl on top, which the original menorah didn't. But not only that, it's got two olive trees next to it, pipes from the olive trees into the bowl, from the bowl, seven pipes out to the seven candlesticks, and what it's speaking of is a ceaseless supply of the Spirit. Okay? All right? So, so now, first of all, he has a picture. 
Now comes the conversation. And that's the next session I'm going to teach you. How does God speak? What is the sound of his voice like? And he says, do you not know what these are? So he hears words. How did he hear them? That's the next lesson. And then he replies, no, my Lord, I don't know what these are. Then the angel says to him, uh, verse 6, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Hold that verse, please, Donata. So listen, he sees a picture. And then the angel says, the picture is the word of the Lord. Let me interpret the picture for you, simply, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Are you all good? So here's the second component of the prophetic. First is dreams, visions, visions. And then it's the audible side, the voice of God side. It can happen just dreams and visions where you understand it. It can happen just audio, but more often than not, it's the pictures with the, or, the audible or the explanatory voice of the Holy Spirit explaining the prophetic word. Well, happy? Okay, so here's your last exercise, and then we're going to close. But I want you to keep your notebook and pen with you. And then we're going to deal with how to hear God's voice. So this is going to um, just um, oh, look at the time. So what we're going to do is um, I want you to have your notebook and pen. And I want you to um, still your heart, still yourself, tell the tapeworm, you're going to be fed now in a few minutes, the hungry wolves that are growling inside. And I want you to just quieten yourself. One of the secrets to hearing the voice of God is to learn how to become internally still. You, you never empty your mind. That's Buddhist meditation, which you can never do. You can never empty your thoughts. can't. You can redirect your thoughts. You can't stop thoughts. Okay? But put away every distraction, anything that's demanding, claiming your attention, just for a minute, just for a minute. Just get still. Just get quiet. Um, block out everything around you. And we're going to, with your eyes closed, with your eyes closed, I'm going to exp explain. We're going to enter a Bible story. Okay, so I'm going to give you the setting, <clears throat> and here's the setting. It's John chapter 4, and it's the story of the woman at the well. But what I want to do is to ask you, you can paint with your imagination any scenery, any setting. The well can look like anything you want it to look like. It can be like an English well with a little stone wall around it. It can be in a, in a forest. It can be in a wilderness. It can be anywhere. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. But I want you, instead of seeing Jesus, I want you to see yourself sitting by or on the wall of the well. And then I want you to, I want you to enter into that story. You're sitting on the well. Experience it. Then... What I want you to do, so you doing some of the artwork, you with your imagination, you painting the setting. So you're sitting on the well. Now I want you to see Jesus walking towards you. You're sitting on the well. Here he comes walking. And when he gets up to you, I want you to ask him, 
not by speaking out loud, internally, I want you to ask him, Jesus, is there anything you want to say to me? Right, I'm rushing you. So for time's sake, for your time's sake, what I want you to do, I see some of you are still engaging with the Lord, so let me, let me just, you just keep, keep, keep at it. But if there's any response from Jesus, whether it's an action or where you sense that he said something to you, I want you to quickly write it down. Write it down on the pad. Great. There's no right or wrong. There's no true or false. Um, it'll become clearer in the next session what we're doing. One word, one sentence, an impression. Could be an impression. Could be a sense of, this is what I felt Jesus was saying. This is what I felt that he was doing. Okay? Just write it down. Write it down. I'll give you one minute. Just one minute. I see quite a few of you writing. How many of you got something that you felt you've written it down? Fantastic. There's quite a few. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. For those of you who didn't feel like you got anything, repeat this exercise at home, um, especially once we finish the teaching. All right? So what we're going to do now, how many of you can feel how the atmosphere has changed? It's amazing, isn't it? It's really amazing. First time I ever taught this was in Armenia, and there was a lady, elderly lady, who had been um, um, planted in that church with Pastor Ashot as a spy for the KGB when Armenia was still under Russia. And she had to report back on the goings-on in the church and what the pastor preached. So in order not to, she didn't want to be, she was selected. She just, she never went to church. And... Um, <clears throat> After Armenia got its independence, she started attending church. So for her, it was a great joy to be able to go. And the first time I taught this, she was sitting there, and she didn't tell the pastor, Pastor Ashot, that in that week she had been diagnosed with an incurable brain uh, cancer tumor uh, you know, in, in her brain. And they said, it's terminal. It's just a matter of time. And when I, I did this, and she did, she did the exercise, and she only told us a year later when I came back the following year that when she saw Jesus walking up to her and she said, Jesus, what do you want to say to me? She said he never said a word. He just walked up and he put his hand on the area of her skull, on her head, right where the brain tumor was. And a few weeks later, she went back to the oncologist and they did all the MRIs and everything. And they said, we don't understand that there's absolutely no trace of cancer. 
And only a year later did the pastor find out when I was sitting there. She said, I waited a year for Prophet John to come. So I'm going to tell this testimony. So, Father, we just want to commit ourselves to you. And um, I pray that through these teachings and this incredibly powerful prophetic atmosphere, God, you would awaken in us in a greater degree than ever before our ability to see, to hear, in order that we may do the works of the Holy Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I trust that message blessed you. Please feel free to contact us for any prayer requests or feedback. We would love to connect with you. You can follow the Word Church Kimberly on any social media platform and become a part of our online community. Be blessed. Be blessed.